Now, am I saying that Terry Rozier is better than Kemba Walker? No. No way. No way. But Kemba Walker, yes, he's a better player. But Rozier is providing more for his team. Hello and welcome to the Monday, February 15th edition of the TV on Basketball Podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're having a fantastic day today, and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would be highly appreciated. And for all the podcast listeners, um, remember to subscribe or leave a review if you're on Apple. And for the Spotify, Anchor, or Podbean listeners, continue to show your support in any way possible. Leave a follow, drop a review. That would be highly appreciated. I have a great show lined up for you guys today. We're going to be talking about the Kemba Walker trade from the past and just looking back at it, just revisiting it. We're going to talk about how good the Suns have been these last few games. We're going to obviously have the power rankings once again. And we're going to end it off with Game of the Week, which I've been kind of rolling right now. I don't want to jinx it too much, but I've been kind of rolling. So hopefully we can continue that streak today. So yeah, it's going to be an awesome show for you guys today. So sit back, relax, and let's jump right into the first topic. So let's start with this. Um, The Kemba Walker trade. Yes, I do want to talk about the Kemba Walker trade. Obviously, this happened a about just under two, just over two seasons ago. Um, they made a trade with the uh, between the Charlotte Hornets and the Boston Celtics, and the whole gist of it basically was Kemba Walker going to the Boston Celtics. He was going to be a free agent anyway, so they just traded him, so they're going to have something in return. And in return, the Charlotte Hornets got Terry Rozier. I bring this up because the Celtics struggling right now. Hopefully, I get to talk about that in the next episode with a guest. Um, so look out for that. But Kemba Walker hasn't really been that guy for them over these last years. Yes, he's putting up his numbers. Yes, he was playing at an all-star level last year. I mean, he was named an all-star, averaging 20.4 points per game. But he just hasn't been that guy. And the injury, obviously, this season kind of hurts him. And he hasn't been really as proficient. But I think he'll come back to form. But I just really don't think that he fits well with that team. And then when you look at the other side of the trade of the trade, Terry Rogier is having a career year with the with the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, I talked about how Kemba was kind of underperforming this year, basically averaging sixteen points a game. Terry Rogier, twenty point six points per game, which is even more than last year's, four rebounds, three assists, and he's playing a more natural shooting guard role, which he should get accustomed to because he has a mellow ball by his side. And it's been working out for the Charlotte Hornets. I mean, what they're um, two games under 500, at, I think, at the time of recording. And when you look at the Boston Celtics, they're legitimately at 500. Like they have had a underwhelming year. And and funnily enough, they're like right beside each other in the standings. Boston being fifth, Charlotte being sixth. And we all have to look back as to why the trade happened. Charlotte um, had obviously Kemba Walker on an expiring deal. He um, he decided to. Not um, request a trade or anything and just play out that season, which he did, you know, good for him. And they decided to make this trade in the offseason so, just so Charlotte can get something in return. I didn't think it would be much. They got Terry Rozier. I wasn't really a huge fan of his. I thought that, you know, he's going to be one of those high-volume, low-efficiency guys. 
um, going the other way. And he is kind of that, but he's also better than I th would have expected, especially this year. Like I said, like right now, 49% from the field, 45% from three, and he's actually a decent free throw shooter at almost 80%. Like, he's been really good for them. And Kemba Walker right now, I mean, yes, he is a good player. Yes, he has still been getting his numbers. But when you're beside Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, who has definitely emerged this year, he just kind of gets lost in the shuffle. And this, a lot of this had to do with money because if Charlotte Hornets re-signed Kemba Walker, it was going to have to be to a max, almost near to super max because of, you know, his service there and stuff like that. And I don't think Charlotte Horn and I don't think Charlotte was just prepared to do that. So they traded him to Boston, where Boston gave him this, you know, four year deal, one hundred forty million dollars, which is a max contract. And he hasn't lived up to that. And which and where Terry Rogier is brilliant value for money for that contract. I mean, he signed basically a three year, fifty eight million dollar deal, which even at the moment, like I'm I'm not afraid to say to say I thought that was a bit much. But he is definitely proving his worth. I mean, he's it was like a three-year, $57 million contract, and he is definitely outperforming that for sure, especially on a overachieving Charlotte Hornets team. And like I mentioned earlier, with Jason Tatum being probably the number one guy there in Boston, Jalen Brown emerging as the clear number two, Kemba Walker has kind of been, um, kind of been pushed aside, and they have other issues on that basketball team in the sense where um, if they can get rid of Kemba Walker, they can definitely address those issues. Because, I, like I said, I'm going to talk about this with my guests in the next podcast, on the next episode. But the Celtics right now have identity problems. They have interior problems. Maybe problems that start from the top down. But it's it's just like a lot of problems there. And with the Hornets, there's, there's just an up arrow. And what this Terry Rozier contract did for them is, one, they became one of the worst teams in the league last year. I mean, it's not because of Terry Rozier, but when you have him as a lead guy, it kind of gives you a reason to tank. And they ended up getting the third pick, which they got arguably the best player in the draft, Lamelo Ball. You add that, you add him to the team, and you have Terry Rozier on a on a small deal. In today's NBA, that's a small deal, three years, fifty-seven. You bring in Gordon Hayward, who has been an absolutely, you know, good signing for you. Like he has been absolutely fantastic this season. Um, getting back to his Utah Jazz days. Like, there's just an up arrow going for the Charlotte Hornets. And with the Boston Celtics, they've been underperforming. And it's not because Kemba Walker's a bad player. He isn't. He is still going to going to give you, like, almost 20 points a night, um, four or five assists. Like, he is a very good player. But he's just not a good fit. He is just not a good fit at all. And in a team where there's just a lot of... Where the ball... Like, there's just not enough scoring to go around... Kemba Walker doesn't really fit that. And I honestly think that at this point, like where the Boston Celtics are right now, th there's a good reason to trade him. There really is. And like I said, they have a lot of glaring issues. They have to look at themselves in the mirror and, um, and kind of identify those. But in terms of just personnel or assets, getting a big man maybe in replace of Kemba Walker could be a good deal for them. And I can't believe I'm saying this two years into his... Boston Celtics tenure, but he just doesn't fit. Like, he's a good player, and yes, he was a better situation than Kyrie Irving. I think that with Kyrie Irving, it would be kind of the same scenario, except we wouldn't see the emergence of Jalen Brown. And Kemba Walker is going to be a good teammate. He'll always be a good teammate. He has shown that on multiple occasions. But 
when fit is in like in question, like it's, it's just unfortunate the way this had to go down. And with the Charlotte Hornets right now, you know, like I said, this is all this was for them is a contract dump, basically, and they got more value for money than Terry Rozier. Now, am I saying that Terry Rozier is better than Kemba Walker? No, no way, no way. But Kemba Walker, yes, he's the better player, but Rozier is providing more for his team. That's just the plain and simple facts of the situation. And at this point, if I'm Boston, I'm thinking of shipping out Kemba. I really am. And with the Hornets, you know, whether they're to succeed, whether they're the 10th seed, this has been a successful season. I don't see them really dropping below 10th just because of the types of um, teams that are below 10th right now in the East. But they have an up arrow. They have a mellow ball leading this team in the future. You got people like Terry Rozier on good contracts, giving you good production. And I think there's just an up arrow for them. And where the Boston Celtics, they're kind of stagnant. We knew what the problem was last year with Boston Celtics. They couldn't handle the the Miami Heat, especially inside. And that has been exposed throughout the season. And Kemba Walker's not going to help you with that. Sure, he is a good scorer, but he's going to give all of that back on the defensive end. And he's not really just going to help the, def- the defensive end for that team. And we're at that point where the Boston Celtics should be looked at as contenders. But right now, they're not. they're not playing like one. And if I had to say right now, I mean, the Charlotte Hornets won this trade. The Boston Celtics thought that this trade would get them over the top, kind of be a less problematic Kyrie. And right now, they just have other problems they have to address, and the Hornets are an up arrow. So it just, it's, just, it's just some food for thought. But I want to know what you guys think below. Did the Boston Celtics lose the Kemba Walker trade? Because at this very moment, at the time of recording, it really seems like they did. Let's move on to this. Steph Curry. <laughs> Stephen Curry has been phenomenal this season. And like what he's doing with the Boston with the um Golden State Warriors right now is honestly mind-blowing. Because a lot of people thought that Steph Curry was going to get some like get exposed because he has been playing beside, you know, Hall of Famers such as Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Kevin Durant throughout this whole Warriors dynasty. They thought he would be exposed, and people thought this season that, oh, Steph, oh, man, he's this is going to be the year where he, we're going to finally see like how Steph is like, on his own. He's not going to be able to carry this team. And no, the, the Golden State Warriors have not had a, the best record, but with the cast that he's given, he has been playing absolutely phenomenal. Basically 30 points per game, 6 assists, 5.5 rebounds, on basically on just under 50% from the field, Almost 44% from three, and like 96% at the free throw line. This guy has just been insane this season. And what has garnered like a lot of conversation about Steph Curry is kind of what he's been doing just these last few games from like a, like a ridiculous just scoring aspect. Like starting, like just, just look at this whole month of um, February at the moment for Steph Curry. Because it's been a ridiculous just the way he's playing throughout this whole month. In this month, he is averaging 36 points per game, <laughs> 5 rebounds, 5 assists, 1.3 steals, 95%, 95% from the free throw line, 48% from 3, and 57% from the field. That is ridiculous. And he's doing this as the clear number one option, and every team knows it. That's the thing. When you go up against the Golden State Warriors, what is the game plan? Let the others beat you. 
and let let's and just get and just make sure Steph does nothing. Let the other beach let the other teams beat you, and let Steph, you know, just try to lock him up as much as possible. And no, like I said, the the Warriors right now they're over five hundred, and I'm honestly shocked at this point, especially with the way they started. And Steph Curry is the biggest reason why. This whole month is just showing that Steph Curry, for all the doubts who 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 thought that he couldn't do this, is still playing at an MVP level. And this could arguably he's honestly like playing at an like like one of his best seasons of his career. Even I think that this season so far has been better than his second MVP. I really do. And he's just and I think this is just gonna keep on going. I think the only thing that's holding him back is his team because he has been playing absolutely phenomenal. Two fifty point games this season, multiple games shooting over ten threes. Like this is just normal for Steph Curry. It really is. And it's just astonishing that he's still putting up these MVP numbers, to be honest. And this leads me to my next question. Does he deserve to be an MVP consideration? Right now, I give him top four. Yes, I do. Even with the Golden State Warriors sitting at the eighth place in the Western Conference, I still say he's top four. The three guys I have ahead of him, Joel Embiid, LeBron James, Nikola Jokic. Jokic is having ridiculous numbers, averaging almost a near triple-double from the center position, and the Nuggets have a better record. LeBron, Lakers, second-best record in the league. He's still playing phenomenal. And Embiid, the best um, team in the East. Defensive player of the year candidate for sure. And, you know, the record is just far and ahead better than the Golden State Warriors. And t- you might be asking, TV, why isn't Kevin Durant on this list? He just missed too many games. He just missed too many games. And I'm going to discuss later, he has sustained another injury, which will... Um, likely cost him the next few games or so, but we'll get to that later. And I think the the only thing that's going to be hurting Steph Curry in terms of this MVP conversation is his record. 14 and 13 is just not good enough to win MVP. And I think the only like real consideration he'll get is if he gets the Warriors to a top three seed, which it's going to be highly difficult, especially with the team that he has around him. I mean, there was a clip going around on the weekend that Bleacher Report posted. Um, Juan Toscano Anderson. Skip pass all the way to the other side of the court. Steph Curry hits a three. And before Steph Curry even releases the ball, Juan Toscano Anderson is celebrating, knowing it's already going to go in, and Steph Curry hits it. And you know it's bad because Bleacher Report just said Steph Curry's teammate knew it was going to go in before it even, he even shot it. And Juan Toscano Anderson on Twitter had to remind Bleacher Report, hey, you know Steph Curry's teammate? That's me. <laughs> That's me. Like, like this just proves kind of like the, the cast he has to deal with right now. And he's still putting up these numbers, which is absolutely crazy. And like I said, I mean, it'll have to take like a really good record from the Golden State Warriors for him to even be considered. Like, I don't even think like a Russell Westbrook record would be enough. Russell Westbrook, I believe, was like forty-seven and thirty-five when he won his MVP when he averaged a triple-double. Steph is still gonna have to be a top three seed because I think the Thunder ended up being like a fifth seed that year. They're gonna like Steph Curry has to go beyond that. And that this is not taking anything away from him. He's been fantastic. But he's going to need like that type of performance in order for him to, you know, get that type of love in terms of the MVP talk. But at the end of the day, if you thought that Steph was going to be the same, you have been sorely mistaken. He's still fantastic. He is shooting at a ball at an incredibly high clip. I mean, if you just look at his, like, just this month, he had multiple 10-3 games just this month. 
And I think it's just going to continue to go on. And at this point, I don't want to be that guy, but you just got to appreciate what he's putting on the basketball court right now. Because he is a definition of being the one-man team right now. He is a definition. And I think, yes, he it's going to be some ugly wins. But it's not going to be because of Steph. It's not going to be because of Steph. Steph is the one who's keeping them in these games. He's the one who's getting them to win. Like, he's just absolutely phenomenal. Like, honestly, um, I'm in shock with how good he's playing. Not because of his ability, but the way he's still being able to lead this team to wins. He's just purely an amazing talent. One of the best players of all time. He And he's just going to continue on his legacy with how good he's playing. Let's move on to this. The Phoenix Suns. Yes, the Phoenix Suns, man, are sitting fourth place in the West. They have won six straight games right now after starting off the season 11 to 9. And they're just they're playing great. I mean, six game, six game winning streak, nine nine wins out of 10. And a lot of that, a lot of people the first thing you're going to look at is this Chris Paul effect is real, man. <laughs> the Chris Paul effect is definitely real. And you can like really compare this start of the season of the Phoenix Suns to the Oklahoma City start last year, because if we look at twenty after the first twenty games from e- from both teams, like I said, the Phoenix Suns started off this year eleven to nine. OKC started off last year eight and twelve, and what happened to OKC? They pulled off a mad one in the last three quarters of the season, and ended up with the fifth seed in the West when everyone thought that they were going to be near the bottom. Now, the Phoenix Suns had more expectations because people knew the Chris Paul effect is real. I think that they should they should make them a playoff team. But they're looking more like they're looking even like better than that, to be completely honest. I mean, 11-9 start. Now they're sitting at 17-9. and And a lot of that, like I said, has to do with Chris Paul, who's having another All-Star year. He'll probably make another All-Star game. 16 points a game, almost 17. 8 assists. You know, he's doing his thing. 1.2 steals per game. And Devin Booker, man, he started off the season pretty slow, I think. Like, he was still trying to find his role within the... Not his role, but just, like, trying to fit beside Devin Booker. No, sorry, beside Chris Paul. And now he's going back to his MVP form, showing that he is the true number one on that team. DeAndre Aiden, I mean, he's... Like, he he hasn't taken that step offensively that we thought he was going to take this year. But his... Like, him as a defensive anchor has been absolutely great. And you could see that because... It's resulting in a top six defense this year so far. And the Suns have just matured. I think that's one of the biggest reasons as to why um, this team is doing well. One, you know, a lot of their core guys just got a year older. I mean, Mikel Bridges having a career year, 14 points a game, five rebounds. Very good on the defensive end. I really like watching Mikel Bridges, like, playing these games. Devin Booker just got a year older, so he's just going to get better. Same thing with DeAndre Aiden. And they just have like mat- they've just brought in more mature players. They brought in people like like Singal Galloway, who is not a big piece, but he has been around the league for a while. Frank Kaminsky, same thing. Etwan Moore, just more experienced guys. Jay Crowder, who has been an absolutely godsend for them, and you can tell because the Miami Heat does miss him, and he's playing pretty good for the Phoenix Suns. And obviously, this is all led by Chris Paul as their new additions, and that has definitely helped a lot. And then you, when you even look at their bench production, I mean, Dario Sarge giving you 18 minutes a game, almost 11 points per game. When you have people like Abdel Nader, Abdel Nader, I th- whatever you want to pronounce it, giving you some good production off the bench. Frank Kaminsky, you know, being a 
a difference maker off the bench as well. They just have a good up-and-down roster. And it starts at the top, and you have the leadership there at Chris Paul. You have the number one guy in Devin Booker. And it's just really just fitting together. And yes, like all good teams, they just and adding like a new good player to your team. It's going to take time for things to gel. But right now, it looks great. And they just have their format to success. I mean, keep the game slow. Let Chris Paul um, just methodically just um, plan the game out. Let Devin Booker do his little ISO thing. Let him come off screens. And just do well on these set plays and dominating the half court. Which they have been doing. And they just have the pieces to a really good team with a really good veteran in Chris Paul. The, the star player, Devin Booker. Like... They're just they're just playing extremely well. I mean, they're above average on the offensive end, and like I said, six in defense. And the thing is, like right now they're sitting fourth place in the West. I really do think with the way Chris Paul is playing, with the way with the status of Devin Booker at the moment, I think they can maintain it. But the biggest thing here, and I don't want to be that guy, but Chris Paul has had his injury issues in the past. And I'm not going to count last season with the OKC Thunder because they had that massive break because of COVID between, um, what was it, March to August? I don't count that because that, I think, basically gave Chris Paul all the rest he needed for the rest of the season. But you always have to keep that in mind. Chris Paul's body just doesn't hold up the way it used to. And he's had a lot of injuries in the past. And you just have to be aware that that uh, could still be a possibility that he might get injured. But I don't want to be that guy. But if he stays healthy... I can see them keeping like a, a top four spot in the West. In the West, yes, there are teams kind of like that are on their way behind them, like the Portland Trailblazers, like the Spurs, like the, the Nuggets. But they're honestly just as good as them. They're just as good, just because of that. Chris Paul addition has changed a whole lot for that team, and I could see them just continuing that momentum going forward. They are playing absolutely fantastic. Only two games behind the the third seed, four and a half games behind the number one seed. The Phoenix Suns are looking really, really good. Before we get into the last segments of the show, here are some other news and notes from the weekend. Kevin Durant returns to Golden State Warrior to the Golden State Warriors. I mean, it's his first game back in Golden State, and they gave him a tribute video. It was a really, really nice tribute video. And the Warriors announced that they were going to do another one when the fans come back, obviously, so he can get the rightful applause that Kevin Durant says so. Um, that uh, sorry, not says so that he deserves because he was a, an integral part to those two championships there in Golden State. They and he played really, he played pretty well that game, twenty points in that in his return. But coming out that game, he also um, won't be missing two games because he got I think a hamstring strain on his left hamstring. So again, Kevin Durant is gonna miss the next two games. I don't even think he's reached a twenty game mark and. If you're wondering, and that's really the reason why I don't have him in my top four MVP discussion right now, just because he's just missing way too many games. But yeah, hopefully he gets better. Hopefully we can see him back on the court soon. But yeah, good tribute video from Golden State. Can't wait to see the fans' reaction when KD gets back. Um, Kyle Kuzma and LeBron over the weekend were giving warnings for flops. Have you seen the clips? Um, I think you could find them on either sideline sources or whatever. They were both warranted. Both were really bad flops. I think the LeBron was on a rebound, and he, like, it was such a delayed reaction. Like, it was such a bad one. And then Kuzma, trying to take a charge. The guy avoids him completely, but he still tries to sell it. He, like, flies, like, five feet backwards. It was a really bad flop. 
both are warranted um, warning. So if they get caught with another flop warning, they're going to get fined. Speaking of the Los Angeles Lakers, they, oh my gosh, this could be bad. Anthony Davis re-aggravates his Achilles, like his Achilles injury in the game versus the Denver Nuggets. If you guys don't remember from last week, Anthony Davis has missed a couple of games because of um, problems with his left Achilles. And yesterday against the Denver Nuggets, he re-aggravated it in the game. He had to leave. And yeah, it's kind of rough. I mean, we know his history with injuries. We know he has like these lingering injuries that always just stick with him, whether it's his shoulders, whether it's his legs, whether it's his back. I mean, it's been everywhere for Anthony Davis. And I'm just hoping it's not too serious. Some people are, I've seen people on Twitter hoping for the worst. I mean, not hoping, but expecting the worst. Some people are expecting the best. Let's just hope he's okay. I mean, we're going to get an MRI today of how how severe the injury is. Let's just hope that Anthony Davis is good and we can see him back on our basketball court soon. As long as he's healthy and ready for playoff time, that's all the Lakers need. So hopefully he does that. And hopefully, you know, everything is just okay with Anthony Davis. And the injuries keep coming. The New York Knicks' um, center, Mitchell Robinson, suffered a fractured hand on Saturday. And he's going to miss four to six weeks. Mitchell Robinson has been a great defensive anchor for that team. He has he has been playing really good basketball under Tom Thibodeau. And he's the reason why the Knicks are near the top of the league in defense. I mean, right now, like I talked about early in this in the year, like the Knicks are where like a top two defense. And they're still basically maintaining it, like at number three right now. And he was a big reason for it, being that deterior deteriorant in the paint. And they're definitely gonna miss him over these next few weeks. How the Knicks are going to do past that, we'll have to wait and see. They have Nerlens Noel still on the roster, so that should be okay. But at the end of the day, they're definitely going to miss Mitchell Robinson. But yeah, those are the other news and notes. Let me know down below what you guys think so far. We're going to go on to the final two segments of the Monday show. And you know how it goes. We have the power rankings. We have the game of the week. I'm going to go through my top 10 weeks, uh, my top 10 um Power rankings, once again, lots of changes going up and down the list. So this is going to be very, very interesting. If you like this content, remember to to um, leave a like and stuff like that. That would be highly appreciated. But here we are. I think this is week 8 or week 9 of the power rankings. So let's get right into it. Coming in at number 10 is a team that's staying at number 10. And that is the Denver Nuggets. You know, they have an impressive they had an impressive week this week going undefeated, going three and zero. Is it three and zero? No, three and one. Three and one. They they went this week. And, you know, Jokic is playing really good still. They're finally starting to get things going. I mean, the thing about the Denver Nuggets season is like once it feels like they're starting to figure things out again, they go on a little losing streak. So the Denver Nuggets just has to find that consistency in their team. And Yes, I think there's just like a lot of good teams that like went on streaks this week, so that's why I couldn't put the Nuggets really higher. But right now, I'm keeping them at number 10. Coming at number 9 is a team that was out of the top 10 last week, but has returned to the top 10. And that is the Portland Trailblazers. Four-game winning streak. Um, another impressive week for the, um, for the Portland Trailblazers. Their defense definitely still needs to improve, and they're definitely missing CJ McCollum and... And um, Yusuf Nurkic. But the Lillard, man, he has been putting on a clinic so far this season. I talked about um, 
Steph Curry in the MVP discussions. Willard is slowly but surely putting himself in those discussions as well. 29 points a game, 7 assists, 4 rebounds on the season. And a lot of his help is coming from Carmelo Anthony, who's been having some really good games um, over the stretch. I mean, just um, over this this week, I mean, he's had three 20-point games. And yesterday against the Dallas Mavericks in a win, he put up another 15. So, you know, Damian Lillard is getting some help from Melo, which is really nice. And the Blazers are keeping themselves alive, and not more than keeping themselves um, more than keeping themselves alive. They're just moving up the standings, which is good to see because we thought that this team would kind of fall off a bit with the injuries of CJ McCollum, who was having a career year, and Yusuf Nurkic, who is a good player for them. But they're keeping afloat. They're still getting wins. They're at number nine, and this is the biggest chop up from this week. The Milwaukee Bucks are number eight. Yes, they are number eight in my power rankings. A one in three week. They just, they should be just winning these games. They're on a three game losing streak right now. Yes, they lost to the streaking Phoenix Suns, the Utah Jazz. But that winning, that loss against Oklahoma City yesterday, man, that, that, that just can't happen. And a lot of that had to do with just them not coming out the gates with enough fire. I mean, the Oklahoma City Thunder had an 11-point lead going into halftime. And the uh, Milwaukee Bucks tried to turn it on late. I mean, they had a really good third quarter. But when you let OKC come around, I mean, they're just one of those teams that <clears throat> that was just pesky, that are going to annoy just the top teams. And the Milwaukee Bucks felt, um, felt the wrath of OKC. And they lost that one. And it was just an unfortunate week for them because they're, like, a lot of their losses... Like they just haven't played good defense. They are giving up a bunch of points, over 120 points on average this week. It's just unacceptable. It's just unacceptable the way they're just playing right now. Right, um, they have a back-to-back with the Raptors this week on Tuesday and Thursday at home. I hope the Raptors are gonna win. I mean, or this could be a good thing for the Milwaukee Bucks to get back on track. But right now, on those three losses, unfortunate, highly unfortunate the way they're playing right now, and they've dropped a lot. They were at number five last week. Right now, they're dropping to number eight. Number seven, another solid week for this team. They stay at number seven. We have the San Antonio Spurs. You know, they're 3-1 and one this week. DeMar DeRozan hasn't playing well once again. And Jamal Murray, not Jamal Murray, DeJounte Murray has been having just these ridiculous games over these, you know, this past week. I mean, if you just look at just some of his games, I mean, yesterday, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 6 assists, uh, and 2 steals. And if you look earlier in the week, when they defeated the Golden State Warriors, 27 points, 10 rebounds, and 8 steals. Like, DeJounte Murray is a monster. He is an absolute monster, and I'm a huge fan of the way he's been playing right now. And the Spurs, man, when do you think they're down? (laughs) I mean, they'll always come back up. Uh, kind of like how Tom Brady is in the NFL. I am not doubting Greg Popovich to put on a winning team on the court. And that's what he's doing right now. I have the Spurs maintaining their seventh position. Coming in at number six, we have the Brooklyn Nets. Um, I believe they maintained their spot as well. I was going to drop them if they lost their last game to the Golden State Warriors, but they went out and absolutely played phenomenal in that game. I'm keeping them there because... Um, they lost to Detroit, which is pretty bad. And obviously, they lost Kevin Durant, which is highly unfortunate. But, again, this this team, kind of like the Lakers in the West, it all really just matters if they're healthy for the playoffs, if they're good in the playoffs. And 
we're like this is the type of th- the team where we don't really take the Canadian the regular season into account. We really are not. They're they're still keeping themselves afloat. They're I think half a game behind the number two spot in the East. So it's looking good right now still for Brooklyn. And if this is their worst sixteen and sixteen and twelve right now, I'll take that. If I'm if I'm a Brooklyn fan. And right now, I keep have them maintain their sixth position. Coming at number five, we have the Phoenix Suns. Like I said, six-game winning streak right now. They have been absolutely rolling. Devin Booker is looking like his star self again. And right now, I mean, the Suns are just completely rolling. And if we want to talk all-star, um, all-star, you know, um, picks, I mean, right now, they're deserving of two. I would think so. So they're just playing at a really high level, doing playing really well on the defensive end, closing out games late. Chris Paul was absolutely fantastic. I've went on them. Um, I talked about them enough in this episode. They have the number five spot, and they've I think they've jumped like two or three spots this week. So good for the Phoenix Suns. Coming at number four, we have a team that is on a mini losing streak, but you know they still maintain number one in the East. We have the Philadelphia 76ers. That loss to Phoenix on Sunday was kind of rough. Um, Embiid had a really good game, but they just couldn't close it out. I mean, Ben Simmons has looked great as well so far. But these two um, losses this week to the Trailblazers and the Suns make them drop um, a spot in the power rankings. But I think they'll be, they'll be fine. They just have to stay healthy for the season. I think they'll finish a top two or three seed in the East. I believe, I'm starting to become a believer of this team, although they have lost their last two games. I'm starting to believe as this team as a whole, but they have to continue to show uh, people that they're legit. So that's why, I mean, those two losses keep them down at number four, but I think they'll bounce back for sure. Coming at number three, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. Right now, you know, they took, I think it was like a, either a three in one week or a undefeated week. I think it was three in one. Um, no, it was undefeated. It was undefeated week, three wins. And, you know, it wasn't against the best competition, the Chicago Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Timberwolves. But they're taking care of business of the teams they should beat, which they're doing. And they're doing this without Paul George this week, who's had, like, some knee issues. So hopefully he comes back soon. But the Clippers, no one's talking about them. They're still rolling. Just keep it that way. Just keep it that way and... I think they can still, and I think they can low key make some noise in the playoffs. So I have them at number three. Coming in at number two, we have the Los Angeles Lakers. They were like the Jazz when they were on like this great, great winning streak. I think it was like six or seven games, but they lost yesterday to the Denver Nuggets. I still see them as the best team in the league, but right now, I mean, it was just an unfortunate week for them. I mean, they lost to the Denver Nuggets and losing Anthony Davis in the process. Again, hopefully he is doing okay. Hopefully he recovers well from that Achilles scare. Hopefully it's just not as bad as some people perceive it to be. But, you know, that's that's a tough loss and on both ends, you know, losing to the Nuggets and losing Anthony Davis. And they dropped I mean this is the second this is the second week where the, the Lakers are not number one in these power rankings. And I mean when you're against the Utah Jazz man, the margins are thin right now in these power rankings. And that loss really determined it. And I already said their name. Number one, we have the Utah Jazz Another undefeated week. They have been playing absolutely fantastic. Seven-game winning streak. Donovan Mitchell is slowly but surely like elevating his game. Gobert had some monster games this week as well. And they're just continuing what they've been doing. Three-point shooting really well. 
Um, you know, very good on both ends of the floor. Top five offense, top two defense. And right now they're just rolling, honestly. And I just expect them to continue to do so. Hopefully they can prove this in the playoffs. But right now, let's just um, appreciate what's going on with the Utah Jazz right now. They are taking the number one spot for the first time this season. The Utah Jazz are number one in my power rankings. But yeah, those are my power rankings for this week. Let me know below if you agree or disagree. We're going to move on to the final t- um, segment of the show. We're going to be doing my pick of the week. Two straight wins for me. Like I mentioned, I'm on a bit of a roll. So I'm hoping to continue that in this pick of the week. We have the Utah Jazz taking on the Philadelphia 76ers. The Jazz are favored 6.5 right now. And a lot of that has to do with the impending status of Joel Embiid. He may or may not play in this game. And at the time of recording, we still don't know. So I got to go with the Jazz just because of that Embiid uncertainty. I mean, if Embiid doesn't play, I think this the, the Jazz win this quite comfortably. No one to really deal with on the inside. I just think that um, once Embiid is gone, you don't really have to worry too much except for Ben Simmons. And I think they're just going to be able to clog up the paint and defend the three-pointers decently well. I mean, like I said, they're a top-two defense. And with the way that they're rolling right now, seven-game winning streak, I feel like, you know, this 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 is a game that they can win. I mean, it's going to be tough. I, if Embiid is playing, I think it's going to be, like, a lot different. I mean, this is going to be, this is what, the battle of the number one seeds in both conferences. And some people might say, you know, oh, this could be a possible finals matchup. I mean, it's not, but <laughs> um, number one seeds in both conferences going up against each other tonight. I would be a lot more confident in the 76ers if they had Embiid. But even still, I mean, Gobert has been absolutely phenomenal this season. Probably the lead, um, the ru- um, the running leader and defensive player of the year. But with that Embiid uncertainty, I have to go with the Jazz. Even though it's minus six and a half points, that is a lot of points to cover. But I believe in the Jazz, and I think they're going to pull out another one. I mean, I I was I believed in them when they were going up against the Bucks. I'm going to believe in them again. So, give me the Utah Jazz, uh, minus six and a half. The 76ers are on a two-game losing streak as well, so I think the Jazz are just going to continue their momentum. But I think this is where we're going to end today's episode. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some great content. I'm going to have another podcast releasing on Friday. Um, I'm going to have another guest here, which is going to be absolutely fantastic. We're going to be making our All-Star Reserve picks. Hopefully, we get to talk about some Boston Celtics and some other topics that come out throughout the week. And I have some plans for this for this podcast, man. I mean, I might go on Instagram live. I believe it's either Thursday or Friday for a new series I have with a friend of mine. So we'll be on the lookout for that. And you might see me on other podcasts. So you should definitely um, just check out my stories on Instagram, on Facebook. You just see like what I'm like up to. And yeah, I'm just excited for just more NBA basketball and more content to put out for you guys. Again, thank you for all the support. We are almost at 1,000 followers on Instagram. Once we reach that milestone, I'm going to be definitely doing a giveaway um, for a gift card or something. So definitely, if you haven't followed me already, at TV on Basketball on Instagram. Yeah, I just want to thank you guys for all the support. Almost at 2,400 downloads as well. Like, I can't believe like the kind of um, numbers I'm getting over this past, you know, 10 months or so. So thank you guys for all your support. And I think, like I said, this is where we're going to end today's episode. So hope you all have a fantastic day. TV signing out. Take it easy, guys. Peace.